Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, one and all, to the Future Tech Podcast. I'm Alan Thomas. And today we have with us the co-founder and CEO of Satisfied Labs, Don White. How are you doing, Don? Hi. Great. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. Let's get right into it. Tell us about Satisfied Labs. Uh, we're an artificial intelligence company focused on physical locations that brings an experience like Google search to any place that you go that might need a purchase or make a live experience. Everything from a baseball game to a Broadway show to a mall, retail store, or even a theme park. All those types of places, we provide services that are new and different. You can either talk into your phone or type, just like having your own Google Assistant. Ah, so, so it basically enhances all these experiences then. Right. Typically, when you go to a music festival or any of the ones that I described, you look for a person to provide you the real-time, context-relevant information. Well, we've created a digital platform where those property owners or business owners can just teach the machine what to do and say that will give you the best experience. Oh, so, it's just, so it is just constantly learning and it's basically personalizing itself to the individual user? It's like the perfect employee. So every single day it improves in how it converses with you, it could also provide you certain discounts or promotions that it learns about. It can give you something that you've been looking for for weeks and never found. It can also tell those places what kinds of things you would like to do or types of beverage you'd like to get the next time you're there so they know how to stock up to improve your next visit. Wow, that, that sounds uh, well, that is, that is obviously extremely useful to everybody. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about how uh, Satisfied Labs was formed, how you guys came up we are ex-finance guys, so my partners, Randy Newman and Rungsan Samran Raj, we all have deep backgrounds in algorithmic trading, which is like machine learning on Wall Street. And we found that when we went to certain events, either a baseball game or even walking into a retail store, we were kind of frustrated that we couldn't just have that search or digital experience to get what we needed. We had to find a person. So we thought that this would be an opportunity in the market, and the data has really shown that people are willing to use these tools, prefer them, and the customers that we have like to find out how they can better serve the end user. So it really started with bacon on a stick at City Field. Someone <laughs> put in a question, where can I find bacon on a stick? And we said, yeah, where can you find bacon on a stick? Like, that sounds good. So we realized that when people are going places, they still have that need and don't know where to find it or accomplish it. And Bacon on a Stick became our core story. I got to say, Bacon on a Stick is a great way to found the company. <laughs> it, it's, uh, well, you should have seen the line to get Bacon on a Stick after we surfaced it in the tool. So it really took off uh, from there. And what would you say in, in terms of the ultimate goal of Satisfy Labs? Is it to... Get, have this technology in the hands of every single person just in their everyday life? Or what's, what's the ultimate goals of the company? The way technology is moving, products like Amazon Alexa and the Google Assistant and Bixby and all the voice products are becoming your companion. But there's all this data 
that they can't access because it's typically presented on websites that are hard to scrape, difficult to update. So we're providing a tool that those places can just infuse this information in real time and dynamically into those tools so that your experience will be more complete. So when you're driving in your car a year from now and Alexa's in your Ford or you're moving down, say, hey, I'm, I'm on my way to the Barclays Center. Can you tell me which concession has the beer I want or the food I want? Is it near my seat? And which gate should I enter if I want to get that beer on the way to my seat? So those type of experiences and interactions are where our technology is, is taking the new experience. So it definitely becomes more of a conversation as opposed to us just barking out orders or saying, get this for me or, or do this or call this or, or whatever. It's, just, it's more of a back and forth conversation almost. Right. It started as a command system. That's what we call it, where you bark at it and make demands. Uh, now it's moving more conversational because it's developing memory techniques and it's going to be able to finish things for you and make suggestions for things that you've looked for in previous days. So it is developing, just as the market is developing, better and smarter tools. It's also uh, accomplishing it the same way. And would you say that it satisfy more or less, do they target more businesses or consumers in terms of where your, where your focus is in the market? We are a B2B company, so we focus on helping businesses provide this service to consumers. So some would call it a B to B to C. So whereas the C is our end user and we are it's important to us that we make the experience something they come back to constantly, it's a business to business company. So you'll see our clients would be the New York Mets, it would be um Macy's has been a client in the press before, Mall of America, like all these examples are who we work with. Ah, so it, so if I'm so if so if I'm the New York Mets or or one of these other types of businesses that engages with you guys, does the so does the onboarding process start with like a top to bottom evaluation of my organization to see where it would fit in or or how would that work? At this point in time, it actually sometimes learns from something like how do you train your employees? So we can use things like employee manuals to start the process or some training materials. Because of our vertical focus, which is retail, sports, and entertainment right now, I already actually understand hundreds of thousands of experiences because we have over 65 clients. So every night, people are talking to our machines in different places, and, and it's learning and teaching it to other like customers. So something in San Diego that goes on in a Padres game can now be taught to the next City field experience, and that can also be taught over to the New York Jets for when their season starts. So the brain that sits across is constantly learning and sharing its knowledge. So every time we add a customer, the rest of our customers get a better experience. Oh, so so it's that uh, idea of of uh, the tide raising all boats, like you said, as yes. as, as, as it as it <laughs> improves good. for one, it improves for all. Yeah, it's a good analogy, and it's great for referrals. Because when you think about it, every customer is not only sharing their positive experience, but also they look at everybody that they bring in as, as helping make their product better. And that's part of our community positioning is we build communities. And in that sense, the knowledge is now shared and improved upon all. So if it happens once, it's taught everywhere. Uh -huh. and, and, and I would have to ask, what kind of, and bringing all this together, 
What kind of difficulties or obstacles did you guys have to kind of get past in order to get to this point? Well, we started two years ago, and some of the concepts I'm describing even two years ago weren't really that that seen. Like, it wasn't an obvious next step. You know, Amazon Alexa was in the very early days. Uh, Google Assistant on the Android phone was in the very early days. Siri was kind of the dominant player, and, and it was a public web search. So early days, I think, it was more about adoption, and, and we had some great early adopters who who really helped us get great use cases and, and experiences. But I think the initial challenge was just convincing people that this was going to be the path that people would go. And I think there's still some businesses that are just now getting into this digital AI conversational technology. So some of our initial meetings uh, in pitching the idea were just PowerPoints because the product didn't even exist. So convincing someone to commit time and money into a company of a handful of people who had maybe a great idea but definitely had limited resources but were kind of trying to tell the future. I think that was a, a huge challenge and I'm just thankful for the people that did come on board and partner with us because they really did validate not just the idea but that this would be the future. So you seriously had to cultivate a talent for being able to paint the picture in somebody's mind, even with the power. Story <laughs> Storytelling is something I do. Um, and it's something that I obviously believe in. But what was really interesting is you just had to get one person at the table to see it as well. And then what we'd find is then they would tell the story to someone else. And it just took one or two experiences where when we brought out customers and, and we reenacted examples of how this experience would change the result, people did buy into it. But it was our early customers that drove the domino effect. Because as soon as some large brands jump on, like some that I mentioned, others take notice and, and also want to be keeping up the standard. It becomes this becomes that keeping up with the Joneses principle yeah, working for you. <laughs> yeah. It was good times in the in the early and and we thought this is so unique and we were very early into the business. Now so much technology and there's so much uh, honestly competition in the market for a lot of different use cases. Now we're really honing in on the things that, that we do really well and partnering with other companies to build even larger, co more comprehensive technologies. So you'll see in the press in the next couple of months where we're starting to look at what we do and how we can surround ourselves with some other smart companies in order to really attack the market in a large scale, even though we're still a young company by definition. And I know you said the company started a couple of years ago. But it seems like you've, you've done a lot in those in that short of a time. So what would you say is probably a big achievement that you've hit within these first couple of years? Uh, we started with three employees. Now we have 18. Uh, we've tripled or quadrupled revenue so far every year. Uh, this will be year three, and we're on that pace as well. I just think some of the brands that have come alongside us to help us and some of our great PR that's an achievement, I think, when I remember a couple months in just getting a call from my dad saying, hey, your product's on Channel 4 News, and there's a mention of you in Forbes magazine, and and that's that's like a moment that no one could ever take away from me, because to think that my partners and I and, and our our employees and our, our customers built something that was interesting enough for Forbes and Channel 4 to talk about it. 
that's a moment that you'll never forget. Oh, that, that's amazing, especially, when, like you said, when you consider it's within the first few years of the company being around. That is huge. Yeah, we were able to launch our first like big retail customer eight weeks from the time that we signed the contract. That was the fastest deployment in their history and obviously uh, in ours. So we've we've been fortunate and we're thankful. Uh, it's a lot of work. You know, we work very hard as would any startup, but we are proud of our work and, and we continue to retain our customers and grow that base year after year. Well, let me ask you, are, are in terms of ideas that, that come through or, or that you hear about, um, I know sometimes people have ideas and they and they and they you're able to tell them well that will probably be possible in the next two to five years versus someone may have some other idea and you say well that sounds like something that might be 20 years out are there any developments like that that you hear about where you just say well that's a little bit too ambitious for today there is we're very involved in the robotics business so there's a lot of humanoids uh, both like the four-foot-tall SoftBank's Pepper, which is a phenomenal tool or device that you really can leverage, particularly in a retail environment where you can have conversations with customers. They can they can look for products easily and find them. The, the humanoid can also dictate like what's available that might be in more likely for their price range or even transact in, in use cases. I think that's the early stage. But sometimes people think that now like there'll be a a robot that like, comes into your house and moves around your furniture and paints your house and drives <laughs> your car and brings you home. I think there are limitations to our vision. I look at the Jetsons, and I still think that is the foretelling of so much of what is happening even today. So I'm super bullish on the robotics. There's a new one coming out called Jibo, which is more of a – it's out, actually. If you don't have one, you should definitely buy one. It's a social robot about a foot tall has personality, it will engage with the family of the house that he lives in, and it'll talk about things that are relevant to you. It'll learn about you and give you tidbits of information. So I think the robots of now are really becoming super relevant, both in the two cases I just described. I think everyone jumps to the you know, the worst case movie that they've ever seen a robot play a main role. <laughs> I don't think that's anywhere close to happening. I think Boston Scientific likes to show off a lot of their technologies, but I think we can all calm down about the robot revolution where we're going to be defending ourselves. I don't see that in our future. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned them. I was just watching one of their clips yesterday where I think the uh the the yeah, the the robot was was learning animal backflips. Yeah, yeah, I saw the animal one and then there was another one where it was a, a, like you said, it was like a, a humanoid type of robot that was learning to do backflips. And so that's why I kind of chuckle when you mention that about us having to defend ourselves against, what, dogs and backflipping robots? I mean, I don't... Yeah, I think that's a ways away. I think, you know, if you really wanted to take it to the to that level, first there needs to be a time machine before things really get bad. So maybe worry more about the time machine and then we'll worry about the robots later. <laughs> I can I can only imagine how many conversations like that you have to have with with non-industry folks who are around you. Oh yeah, the word Skynet comes up in conversation <laughs> on a monthly basis, and you know someone has said, "Oh, so you're building Skynet?" And I says, <laughs> "No, I am not building Skynet." I said, "I don't think the world is building it, but I appreciate the reference." So I just think you know, as as time goes on, 
we may conform to some of the movies that we've seen. Uh, my preference, like I said, is the Justins. I think that's a life I could easily operate in. If you go back and watch those <laughs> cartoons now, they had like video on call doctors and they had all these things that we're now just getting. So I think you could do the Jetsons, not the Arnold Schwarzenegger version. <laughs> and and as far as uh, we're satisfied going, uh, what do you see as the roadmap for the company over the next couple of years? Like, where do you go from here? We're really hyper-focused on expanding the capabilities for knowledge to be inserted in real time. So if you think about any any type of place or brand that you're engaging with. Right now there is a website and there might be a social media channel and there might be, you could call them on the phone or you could email them. There's all these different communication methods and each experience might be different. So our goal is to provide you one entry point, which will be something that's part of your everyday life where all information, requests, ideas, feedback that's required goes through this one channel and it just comes back at you on demand and personalized. So I think the goal from that is to transfer our ability to acquire information from things like search engines and create new tools for those brands to get you the information that you need fast and, and in an accurate form. So we have tools that are coming out in the next two months and three years, depending on the level, where that's what the new world will look like. It'll be very different than the Google experience you have now. It'll be more direct, right to the brand, and more conversational. Uh, so in that example, then, I mean, and, and going back to Jivo for a second. So that means, if, let's say Jivo is in the house, and or a version of Jivo where I could actually ask him search engine type questions, and he would probably bring it back to me the same way a person would just be telling me information, something like that. And, and today, Jibo can do a search and give you results. But let's say that you were a very big Minnesota Vikings fan, which I happen to be. You know, rather than Jibo go ask the public internet about wh who they're thinking of drafting or about whose who's jersey number this or how to get tickets or, hey, where should I go to get the latest jersey that comes out? Instead of us doing public search, why can't I just ask the Vikings? Why don't I just ask them? And why can't they provide the best answer, not just a list of results, but the best answer to my request? So the robotics tools, the voice tools, all these tools are going to move away from a list of results that's being curated from a lot of sources where we're enabling the primary source to be better equipped to supply that information direct and in real time. Wow. So I just thought about uh, what you were saying, too, because depending on when people are listening to this, well, actually right now the NFL draft is happening. And so yep. I, I just I just imagine when you're talking about that millions of people asking their particular version of Jivo for that information in terms of trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, who, you know, in terms of getting the draft information and also trying to use that to figure out what their picks are going to be for their fantasy drafts. And that's where this goes. So now you're you're looking at primary content versus curated or scraped content. So our business is about generating better pathways in digital to primary content, and we're using AI as the engine that runs it. So, right, you would have access to all the information, maybe even down to one day to the player or to the celebrity or to the you know singer or actor. 
So I think data is going to change from that public concept to everyone having these private knowledge bases that get tapped and, and supplied. And we're in the business of supplying those mini knowledge bases to the market so that they can be touched when needed by people looking for more direct information and access. So would you agree with the with the phrase, I've heard it from a couple of people about data being the new oil? <laughs> it's good. You have good ones. That's your third. That I've heard. <laughs> I mean, uh, other people have said it to me this week, and I was like, wow, I, I, I guess so, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up at Bloomberg, so if there's a place that you could be raised that focused on the power of data and information, and we think about how that company was built, then our entire business is unearthing unique data concepts and ideas that are right now not digital. Like if you think about our business, we are getting information that's typically now in a human-to-human conversation in, in a physical presence that's never been really looked at, never been utilized, and it's never been enabling for people to get the right answer. Sometimes each human that has a conversation with another employee might get different answers or inaccurate answers. So we are in that data is the new oil, 100% true. And I think now a lot of companies are trying to figure out whether it's visual recognition, voice recognition, even a lot of the multilingual technologies out there. We're unearthing so much stuff that we've never seen before that now we'll be able to build better tools for everybody to, to get through life together. Wow, and I, and I and I would just have to ask too in these in these couple of years that you guys have been around, what's what's one change that you've seen in AI just from day one when you opened from now? Because I know the speed that the changes come is just so just so accelerated. What's just one change you've seen from when you opened the doors to now? Yeah, two years ago when we first launched and we partnered with IBM Watson, it was still. A, a new technology and people were learning it and it was just a lot of trial and error and trying to figure things out. Now we look 24 months later, a lot of technologies are free, open source. People can build you know, simple AI experiences just a few years out of school. Uh, my daughter is 14 years old. She's already worked on a humanoid pepper robot and taught it to do things and engage with her. So I think what's happened is you've just seen it's easier now to access this layer, these layers of technology. There's still obviously expertise required for some of the complex stuff, but as far as getting you know students and and programmers involved, now this has become just like the thing that people wanted to start working on and, and get their degrees in because the future is in this. Whereas maybe years ago there was a huge rush to HTML, like many years ago. And that was the new thing. I think AI is now where you'll see people focusing their talents as they're coming out of school, and companies like me are hunting for new talent every day. Right. I was gonna. I was gonna say, well, that would directly affect companies like yours, right? Because you'll you'll be expanding, and you'll need, you know, you'll need those brains, you'll need that expertise coming in, fresh out of school. Yeah. Data is volume. Uh, we have one that we hired out of school, and she is top of the class in our opinion and math major at an excellent uh, excellent uh, university and just seeing how she's progressed and learned it and seeing how people coming to the office our interns are always phenomenal we try to hire all of them so there is going to be a method where people are going to be hired to help train a lot of these machines time will be spent on that 
as opposed to there's some other technologies that will just kind of siphon away as more and more people come into this side of the business. And then there'll be a new thing. And then we'll all convert, you know, over to that in five years. But this is definitely the right time for this this market. Wow, that's, you're giving us a lot to think about here about what the future will look like. I'm 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 kind of partial to that Jetsons reference myself. <laughs> but, uh, well, depends on when you grew up, but that's the safest one. <laughs> so if you're looking for new ideas, go find some reruns. And other than the <laughs> flying saucer car, which Hey, listen, that might be something we see sooner than later. I think we all thought we'd be flying in cars by now, but uh, I'll be just as happy with the driverless car. I think that's enough That's enough technology for me. <laughs> and let me, uh, let me just ask you, what would be your final thoughts for our listeners? What's the big takeaway about Satisfy Labs that you want our audience to have? I think, you know, the voice market is is where so much investment and time is going. If you do some some analysis, like even if I do some surveys and in client meetings, there's still a a real slow adoption in everyday life to be dependent on voice systems. So if you have a, a Google Assistant or an Alexa or Bixby or whatever product you have access to, I really encourage people to start to explore the functionality that, that's in them because the advancements in those products made in the last six months even is is quite fantastic. You'll see new things coming out from Alexa that'll tell you when, you know, she has something to let you know about. Like, hey, oh, by the way, did you know this new story came out that you're interested? Or, oh, by the way, there's tickets available for that concert you're interested in. I just think that, you know, my thoughts are like, as companies like ours are really trying to get more knowledge and more, you know, usability in some of these tools, it is important for people to start putting them in their everyday life now because I think you'll see how useful they already are. And now when the wave comes, it'll just enhance your, your experience. Wow, that, that'll, be an, that'll be amazing to see that come. Uh, well, let me just thank you, Don, for coming on and being on the podcast and giving us all this great information. And, and like I said, we, like I always say, we, we thank you for your time and your expertise. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and for having me on. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.